welcome to the Destination Begin podcast. I'm your host, Kristen Smith. I've lost over 250 pounds. I've started my life over multiple times and managed to find humor, lessons, and joy in the process. And now I'm here sharing those stories with you. Thanks for joining me. Welcome to this week's episode of the podcast. I'm so glad you are here. This past week, I heard from a whole bunch of you that found the podcast through random ways and um, took the time to send me a note. So I just want to reiterate before I even start this podcast, I love hearing from you. So I say it at the end, I'm saying it here now. If you listen to this podcast and you love it, I just love to hear from you. I do this podcast because I want to connect and relate to other people out there who may benefit from what I may have to say and what I'm doing. So when you circle back, everything is as it should be. So another week has passed. And of course, life in Miami Beach, I feel like every week something crazy big happens. And this past week, it was just a lot of momentum going in the boot camp, lots of momentum going in the day job. Super great week. Really excited. I tell you, it's it's something else to be in Miami in the wintertime and it's already starting to get hot and it's just now March. And so everyone that lives here says, you haven't been here for a summer. You have no idea what you're in for. And I'm like, bring it on. <laughs> but I like the heat. It just uh, complicates things when you're trying to work out outside and run workouts outside and stuff. So we will just have to see what happens. But this week, I accepted a position at the Carillon Spa, which is just down the beach. I'm going to be a fitness instructor there starting next week. So it'll be a Friday, Saturday, Sunday gig, and I'm really excited because I get to teach different types of classes. So they have a Kaiser machine, which is like a, a cable machine that uses hydraulic um, pressure to generate weight. So that type of class is two people on this Kaiser machine, and I'll be basically, it's like a buddy training, personal training class, um, stretching classes, abdominal classes, like 45 minutes of core. Super fun. I love that. And then of course I get to do my circuit training and boot camp classes. So really fun. I started working on getting into that position back in, I think it was December. Um, yeah, it was a long time ago and there was just a lot of hoops to jump through and it finally panned out and I was, you know, I was kind of thinking it wouldn't, But when it did, it's amazing. The timing of it was just perfect. So as usual, just letting the universe figure it all out seems to be the best strategy. Not like there's anything else I could do anyway, but I'm really excited. The Carillon is, um, they have a residence and so there's people who live there and they pay into the homeowners association, which provides fitness classes. So they have 180 classes a week typically for the residents. And then they also have a resort side. And so I'll be teaching classes in the resort side with the people that are just there staying and then for the residents who live there. So it's going to be super fun. I just love getting to branch out and try all these new fitnessy things. And um, whenever I'm training people, no matter what, my desire is to connect with them as people. Um, We all have vulnerabilities. We all have these little spots in us where when given the right opportunity, our soul kind of shines through. And I love it when I see it in someone. I live for that. Um, And since all my clients down here are new, since I moved down here, it's just a whole bunch of new people and opportunity for me to get to see that. And so, you know, training, training my client, Steve, I really, really enjoy. Um, 
he's a really smart individual. Um, just retired from a long career in New York and um, down here in Miami Beach. He's been coming down here, I'm not sure how long, but has lived down here um, off and on a lot in the winters. And um, I just learned so much. So I'm training him, but we get to chat and I learn so much about life in New York and he knows so many interesting people. And it's funny because he's just one of these people who is not going to sit around. So in between training sessions with me, he's running, biking, he's taking Peloton classes. Um, he just, he works on his fitness and since retiring and coming down here and he started to work with me, it's so fun. You know, he's sitting there doing, not sitting there, he's standing there. We, we train in the park doing, doing the workout I'm giving him and I can see muscle definition and veins popping and his physique just getting more muscular. He's getting more fit. And I'm just so proud. It's such a fun job to be me in that situation and to just see the progression over time. These things take time. They take consistency in order to see results. But to just stand there and see week after week growth and change, and I just am so proud. I just am so proud, and I love shouting it out to be like, oh my gosh, look at You have a little vein popping right there. You're so ripped. So little funny story happened. (laughs) We're training in the park and my hair was down and uh, I felt something in my hair. So I went to slap it out of my hair and it was a bee and it stung my ear. Like, you know, you don't have a lot of flesh on your ear, but it stung my ear and it hurt. And it's one of those things with a bee sting where it's so uncomfortable for, you know, 30 seconds maybe that you can't really think about anything else. So I was just kind of dancing around going, ow, 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 ow. I lost track of where we were in the workout. And, um, and I was just concerned, is the stinger in my ear? You know, is it, is it gonna, I don't know, is my ear gonna fall off? And Steve was very concerned, you know, are you allergic? I'm like, oh no, 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 I'm not allergic. It's going to be fine. But can, can you look in my ear and see if there's still a stinger? And so in the park, here's me bent over my ear turned and Steve's looking in my ear (laughs) and then he sees the bee on the ground kind of wiggling around and he stomps on it and he's like you deserve to die (laughs) and I'm just going ow 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 and it was in hindsight it's just one of the funniest memories of my entire week in the moment it wasn't funny at all it hurt and I really wanted to sit down and cry and call my mommy but I didn't we went on and it was fine and I actually don't even know I could not even tell you where it was my whole ear still hurts but just the funny nature of the whole thing. Look in my ear and then him stomping on the bee and it's just, it's just crazy. So never a dull moment training in the park. But anyway, and then I'm also training my friend Yaron in our, our gym here. And that's been really interesting because Yaron is not a stranger to working out. He's, you know, he's lifted his whole life. Just has been in a period where he wasn't lifting and now he's getting back to it. And it's really fun to see um, how he handles a trainer. He's very much tells me his limits, tells me how much he can and can't do, which I like because I don't live in his body. But I get this little glimpse in his eyes when when he's pushing really hard and he gets to, you know, rep 10 and I want 12. And those last couple, he has to really gut it out. And then afterwards, there's just a little flicker that happens on his face of like, yeah, heck yeah, I did that. And I recognize that. And I love seeing that. 
And um, today I got to the gym to train him. He was already working out. He was put him through, put himself through a core workout to get warmed up, and he was slaying it. I was so proud. I just, I love seeing people pushing themselves, showing up and saying, I'm here, I'm gonna work. This is a little portion of my day, and I'm gonna do it. Just, I love it. Love it so much. So, personal training is something that I'm, I'm just learning so much as I'm doing it and I'm falling in love more and more and more with the process and really just coming to really love and respect my clients. It's just so great. I also buddy train these two ladies. They are friends. They live in the building and um, they're both from Brazil originally. So um, they bonded over that and I trained them. And Bruna is someone who's worked out a lot. She's done CrossFit. She does Pilates. She's really strong. She has a history of, you know, really tough workouts. And Maria is new to working out. She hasn't had a trainer before. She hasn't done those hard type of workouts. So I have two women at the same time, one of whom I'm teaching from the ground up and one who really wants to be pushed. And it's such a fun dynamic to see Maria, you know, grasp a concept and start to feel that mind body connection and then be so proud of herself when she slays it and to see the growth and to see the progression. And, um, Bruna is a workhorse and she just pushes so hard. And again, I just get to be there and watch the human spirit in a workout and it lights me up. And maybe some of you are like, um, that sounds terrible and I'm bored. Well, um, we're done talking about it now. So you're in luck, but For me, it's been really fun. It's a whole other angle to what I'm doing down here, which is really developing and growing uh, my career as a fitness instructor, group, and personal. So that's what's going on with that. Um, One other thing that I do is I do weight loss um, coaching. So I've been taking on clients where I'm working with them one-on-one to develop a plan for them to lose weight and um, to also address the mental conversation that goes on over food and those behaviors that trip people up. Um, but it's a little different than just the mindset coaching in that we pick a plan, we pick um, you know a calorie goal, we work on macros. And so it's really more of the, the digging into how are you going to lose weight and how can I help you? So a lot of accountability there. And so I've had a lot of conversations about what it means to change your body composition and lose weight. So today I want to talk about that. Um, there's a lot of misconceptions. There's a ton of information. There's a lot of really good information, but finding the info that lines up for you is often very confusing. I know I've been confused in the past because there's too much information. You know, for instance, if you're following a keto diet, you're eating a lot of fat and you can lose weight. And then there are diets where if you cut your fat and you eat carbs and protein, you can lose weight. So confusing. Um, you know, fat is good, fat is bad. Uh, sugar is okay in small quantities, sugar is bad. Carbs are bad, carbs are good. It's just crazy. There's just so much information. And what it comes down to is you. What works for you? What's your lifestyle like? So I want to talk about that, about um, body composition. So if you are starting out on a weight loss journey, most likely there's a certain amount of weight that you need to lose. And often it's a lot. And so it doesn't necessarily matter what your macros are. It matters that you're eating in a calorie deficit. So it means that you're eating less than what you're burning. And that's basically rule number one for weight loss. You have to be in a calorie deficit. How you pick what foods are in 
the calories you eat in a day, that comes down to kind of how much you have to lose and what your goal is. If you want to change your body composition, so if you're, let's say you're 10 pounds overweight, that's it. Um, you can lose 10 pounds, but you're going to lose muscle and fat most likely if you don't like really pay attention to what you're eating. If you have to lose 50 pounds and you're in a calorie deficit, you're most likely going to lose quite a bit of fat and some muscle, but you get to play with this. You get to tweak what you're eating in order to achieve the goal that you want. And, um, macros matter and counting macros can be kind of a pain. It can be kind of tedious it can be cumbersome, but it just takes you know about a week and being willing to make a few mistakes and to practice and you can figure out how to count and track and eat within a macro range for you. It's not easy if you've never done it before as far as you, you need to know what the macronutrient content of foods are. You may just have instinctively grabbed certain things like this bag of Smart Pop is 100 calories, so that's a good snack for me. Well, it's true, it's 100 calories, but it's all carbs. And so if you're counting your macros, um, it may or may not be a good food for you. And so all of a sudden you're making decisions based on not just a calorie count, but what, what are making up those calories? Is it a protein? Is it a fat? Is it a carbohydrate? So I get asked a lot now that I have been dieting down from my competition, I have a lot of muscle definition. So I look really ripped. As my friend said, I look like a muscle stick. <laughs> um, and so people say, oh, I want your arm workout because I want arms like you. And unfortunately, the arm workout to get arms like me is to use your arms to not put carbs and fat in your body. <laughs> That's the workout. It's not a workout. I don't actually work my arms at all. I mean, I work my shoulders, but I don't, I don't work my arms intentionally hard, hardly at all. And they're the most ripped they've ever been. But it's because of the macro diet I'm on. So I'm eating protein and I'm eating very little carbs and fat. So my body has no choice but to burn the fat that's on my body because it's really hard to store protein as fat and I'm not eating enough carbs and fat to fuel what I'm doing. So there's the science behind it. So to get muscle definition in my arms, so there's a little bit of fat where each of those muscles connect to each other. You get those ripply biceps well, if you lose the fat in between those muscles and those muscle fibers and in those tie-ins and connections, you're going to start seeing the skin stretched over just the muscle and that little layer of fat is gone and you start to get more definition. And as you get leaner, you actually see styrations, which are the actual lines in the muscle, which, I mean, there's no fat between the skin and the muscle when you can see that. So... If your goal is to lose weight but also to look muscular, then you have to be mindful of what kind of food you're eating, not just how much food you're eating. Another thing is um, you tend to lose fat from the top to the bottom of your body. So as you start on a diet where you're losing fat off your body, you're going to see your face gets thinner quick, your neck gets thinner, then your shoulders, your arms, your chest, your torso... And for us ladies who often carry weight in our hips and our butt and our thighs, that's me, um, I have to wait a real long time for the effects of what I'm doing to reach that part of my body. When I started on this prep at week 20 weeks out from my show, my face got thinner quicker, my neck got thinner than my shoulders. And so now I'm starting to see after 11 weeks, the fat coming off of my hips, my inner thighs, around my knees, 
it takes a lot of time. So if that is your goal, that you're trying to get more defined in your body, so you have to understand it's going to take time and you can't spot lose weight. You can't say, I'm going to lose weight in my knees. I'm going to lose weight in my inner thigh. You can tone the muscles that are there. You can work those muscles. You can add muscle by really working a certain body part that will fill out that muscle and fill out into the skin. But if you're just trying to maintain your muscle, but lose fat and get definition, you're going to have to be in it for the long haul. It's going to take time. So the scale losing pounds You may lose five pounds, but if you are counting your macros and you're working on changing your body composition, the scale isn't going to tell the whole story. And this is, this is what's just happened to me. And this has been a huge learning experience. I'm in the middle of this learning experience. So I'm just sharing with you as I just today had this big lesson presented to me. So I'm prepping for this show and I'm following a very, very strict diet with calories and protein and fat and carbohydrates. And as I go throughout the week and I'm having day after day of consistency, I'm doing my lifts, I'm doing my cardio, I'm not necessarily always getting enough sleep. And I weigh every morning, which as you know, if you've listened to this, if you've talked to me, I don't believe in weighing yourself very often at all. It's something I don't do. The scale never tells me anything that I need to know. The scale always gives me a reason to binge eat. When I see the number, if it's higher than I thought, my brain says, everything you're doing is stupid. It's not working. You may as well go have donuts. Conversely, if I step on the scale and it's lower, I think, whoa, what I'm doing is working so well. I don't need to be so hard on myself. I could have a donut. So as you can see, no matter what the scale says, I'm going to have a donut. So weighing myself is tough, but for the purposes of what I'm doing, I need data and I'm doing this very, very carefully. And so I have to weigh myself. So I'll go through day after day of following my plan, which is a calorie deficit and macronutrient balanced to lose fat and gain muscle. And I get on the scale in the morning and I see it go up and up and up all week, which makes me insane. And then my coach will say, okay, you need to have a carb dinner and go to bed. So load up on some carbs and get some sleep. And then it's magic. My body releases that cortisol stress out of my body, releases water, um, and that inflammation gets released and the scale drops. So that's kind of the cycle. But I was frustrated because six weeks ago, I went in and I had a body scan, a DEXA scan. So a DEXA scan is this table. It's a very, very precise instrument. It scans your body from head to toe and it It takes really, really sophisticated images and it gives you data on what your left leg weighs, what your right leg weighs, how much is muscle, how much is fat, et cetera, et cetera. And so I went in there on January 23rd and I weighed in at 165 pounds on their scale, which was a lie. (laughs) And then I did the body scan and it said that I was 23.1% body fat, which felt really high considering everything I'd been doing, but whatever, we just wanted data. And I scheduled another follow-up six weeks later. So for those six weeks, I've watched the scale you know, go up and down, up and down. And in the end, when I went back today, I was 160.8. So 4.2 pounds lost in six weeks, which after all the work that I've been doing just made me just super frustrated because I've been working my butt off. But 
I got the printouts of the results and here's what actually happened. 11 pounds of fat were gone off my body and seven pounds of additional muscle mass appeared on my body. So the scale told me I lost four pounds. That's all it said, you're four pounds lighter. That's all it can do. It's telling me that my entire being is four pounds less than it was six weeks ago. But what the data tells me is that I have 11 pounds of fat that is no longer present on my body. 11. Picture 11 pounds of bacon on your table. Picture an 11 pound ham. Picture 44 sticks of butter. 11 pounds of fat is 44 sticks of butter. My scale did not tell me that. My scale was saying, you suck. You've only lost four pounds in six weeks and you're killing yourself. The scale also didn't say, oh, by the way, you have seven pounds of muscle on your body. Picture seven pounds. Seven times four. That's 28 sticks of butter in muscle on my frame. So I pulled 11 pounds of fat, which takes up more space than seven pounds of muscle. And that's what I replaced it with. And so that body scan told me the whole story that I did lose a lot of fat. This hard work I'm doing is working. My body is burning fat off my body because I'm not feeding it fat and carbs. And like I said in my podcast last week, what I'm doing is an extreme thing. I'm getting ready for a competition. In daily life, you wouldn't be eating the way I am. But the concepts apply. If you want to change your body composition... Counting your macros and sticking to it is the key because while my scale didn't move a whole lot in total, that macronutrient balanced diet allowed for 11 pounds of fat to be burned off my body and replaced with seven pounds of new muscle. So the scale doesn't tell you that, but a body scan can. So if you have access to a DEXA DEXA fit scan, they're all over the country. They're kind of expensive. I wouldn't be using it if I wasn't doing a show, but, um, it's, it's interesting, especially if you like data, especially if you're embarking on a weight loss journey. It's so great to get that benchmark set of information and then go back a set period of time later at the same time of day with the same type of history in your day. So last time I worked out and I went. This time I worked out and I went. I hydrated before and I had the scan right about the same time of day on the same machine so that we at least get pretty, pretty much apples to apples. So I highly recommend you try that if you have access to it. Um, The less expensive thing is you can Google online and see who has an in-body scanner. In-body is a very reputable company. They have all different levels of scanners that you stand on, and it's an impedance test, and it just sends a signal through your body and bounces off basically water and bone and muscle. And it gives you a body fat percentage and the same type of information of what your body is made up of. And so they can vary, though, those machines depending on the model and where they are. So there again, if you find one in your community, which gyms have them, health food stores have them, just Google it. Um, Go back to the same one weeks later at the same time of day, same machine, having had the same kind of day leading up to it, and scan again. And you'll at least be able to see the change between the two scans and get a baseline idea of what you're doing if it's working. So highly recommend that, especially if you're a data person. Now, if you're trying to lose 50 pounds or 75 pounds, you have a lot of weight to lose. That's something you don't really want to waste your time on until you're a little bit further down the road because at that point, you just need to be in a calorie deficit and your body is going to start burning every bit of fat that it can find right away because it's not scared of um, running out yet. 
It's when you lose a lot and you don't have a lot left that your body really becomes, you have to tune it in. So if you're starting out on a weight loss journey, lose a bunch of weight and then get an in-body type scan and then start doing it every six weeks. It's really just powerful information. Um, Another thing that can kind of factor into body composition is um, the idea of a cheat meal. It's, It's a little little interesting take on a cheat meal. A lot of times if we're really, really strict and vigilant on our diet like I am right now, the body gets a little stressed, that cortisol level spikes, and your body will often just hold on to water, inflammation. It, it will be a little stubborn. And so you can have a meal that's got more fat and carbs and you know maybe extra calories in it than you normally would called a cheat meal, maybe once a week to kind of tell your body, hey, you're going to get fed no need to panic. You can release fat. You're not starving. You're not going to be starved to death. And it can be really powerful um, to reset your body, but also your mind. It releases the stress of being so vigilant. So cheat meals can be really helpful. For some of us who are bingers though, it can be really dangerous because for me, when I have a cheat meal, I just want to keep that cheat meal going. I don't want to go to dinner on a Saturday night, have one big meal and go to bed. I want to have the big meal. I want to come home and have ice cream. I want to have another meal before I go to bed and make it a cheat binge extravaganza. That is what my instinct is because I'm a binge eater. So I have to be very careful about my cheat meals, my cheat days, all of that. And um, I keep it to one meal the best I can. And often I will just make it one thing. Like sometimes my cheat meal will be a big bowl of oatmeal because I love oatmeal and I want I want it. <laughs> or rice or some kind of a carb that I can't have. Now, if you're not on a macro diet, your cheat meal could just be whatever. But it's just really important to pay attention because sometimes never is easier than always. And if it makes it so much harder to go back to being vigilant or following your plan, sometimes it's better not to have a cheat meal and to factor those calories into your everyday. So if you're going to allow yourself, say, an extra 1,000 calories of cheat meal on the weekend, why not just you know throw in 250 calories more every few days and just have an easier day in a few days a week instead of one big meal? You can manage it that way if you have a binge eating pattern like me. So just definitely pay attention to what your history is with binging. Now, if you don't have that issue, then then use it as a powerful tool to reset and regroup and give your mind and your body a little break and, uh, and then get back to the plan. So I hope that's a little helpful about body composition. It's kind of an overview of what kind of goes on when you lose weight. And like I said, it's based on what I just learned myself. I got sucked back into this idea of I need to see the scale move down in order to feel like it's working. And luckily, I have a really great coach and trainer in Lee who tells me to keep calm, that he's not worried about that overall number right now, that he wants me to be consistent, take care of my body, sleep. Oh, man, sleep is so hard for me. I get, I've been so busy. It's just hard for me to prioritize it. But it's like I may as well do none of the other things if I'm not going to sleep. So I've been working hard on getting more sleep. And some nights I do really well and other nights I don't do so well. But, you know, it's just... There's a whole lot going on in your big complex system of all the things (laughs) and you can't see it on a scale. And if you never do some kind of a body scan, you're never going to see it. So if you never do a body scan of some kind, just then just trust me that that's what's happening 
and um, go by how your clothes fit. My clothes are falling off of me and I am to the eye much fitter, much smaller, much leaner, even though the scale has not moved that much. So, you know, if I had just stopped getting all like freaked out over that stupid scale number and just trusted trusted my coach, trusted how I look, trusted my my clothing, I would have saved myself some stress. So now I know I got a big lesson today and I'm going to be a lot calmer and trust the process. So um, one last thing I want to say about food and eating, a big key for me in in getting some momentum going is to stop eating at night at a certain time. And this is hard for me. I love to eat at night. I have a really hard time ending the day. I want the day to just keep going and I want to keep enjoying my life. And so I often will just grab snack after snack and I'll, you know, just push it to the very end. And I end up feeling kind of like bloated when I go to sleep. And so I started a rule for a couple of weeks where I stopped eating at 7 p.m. And that was really hard. But I just thought, well, I'm going to try it. And the nice thing is, is I, I was able to eat more earlier in the day because I didn't have to try to spread it out so long. And then what happened is when I woke up in the morning, my body was quieter. I slept deeper and I was really hungry when I woke up. So then I got to have my breakfast and really enjoy it. And it really changed my relationship with my food and my hunger. And it was really good for me. And so I'm getting back to that again. But if you struggle with nighttime eating, it's very common and it's something I've struggled with a lot. And one of the things that I've been doing as I've adopted this new rule again that I think is helpful and I'm going to offer it to you is to, if you're in the kitchen and it's past when you're supposed to eat and you really want to eat, I set out the food that I want. I grab the food I want and I either set it out on the counter or if it's in the fridge, I segregate it. And I just, I'm like, all right, you can have this food as soon as you wake up. So if it's a protein bar or if it's a piece of beef jerky or, you know, if it's a treat, whatever it is. I just say, okay, just I'm going to go sleep first and then I'm going to eat this. And it's this little lie that I tell myself that's enough for me to leave the kitchen, go to bed. And then in the morning, I'm like, oh, I don't want beef jerky. I want my actual breakfast now. So it's a trick. And so I offer that to you as something to try. And I've, I've done this in the past and I offer this to my clients a lot as a tip to do, but give it a try. It's just kind of a way to... Understand that that food isn't going to go anywhere. You don't have to eat it at 10 o'clock. You can eat it in the morning. And if you still want it in the morning, have it. But chances are you won't want it in the morning. And it's a little sneaky way to kind of trick your brain. So give that one a little try. Have you noticed at the grocery store that the protein bar section has just become a whole aisle? Protein bars are a huge industry and they're a staple in your diet. If you are trying to hit your protein goal, you're following a specific diet plan, so many of us use protein bars to supplement as snacks, as desserts, or just to get that extra protein bump. What you won't find in the grocery store are Built Bars. Built Bars are available online at builtbar.com. There are 18 different flavors and these are unlike any protein bar that you have had before, I promise you. The texture is what sets them apart. They're a chewy nougat covered in 100% real chocolate. They have 18 flavors 
and they have built bars that have nuts and built bars that do not have nuts. So the calories vary depending on the flavor you choose, but they all have between 17 and 19 grams of protein, and all of them are under 180 calories. My favorite flavor for sure is raspberry, which is a raspberry nougat covered in amazing dark chocolate. Warm it up in the microwave for about 15 seconds, and I eat it as dessert. It's delicious. Randy's favorite is cookies and cream. It's amazing, a, a delicious chocolate flavor, also really good warmed up. The cookies and cream, 130 calories with 17 grams of protein and only four grams of sugar. So these are really great if you're low carb, if you're watching your sugar intake, but you need that protein bump. I highly recommend that you give them a try. You can use my code DESTINATIONBEGIN for 10% off. They have free shipping on all of their orders, and they also offer shipping protection for under a dollar that will make sure that your protein bars do not melt in transit. Highly recommend that. So give them a try today. They have a 100% money-back guarantee, but I promise you're going to love them. So we've talked about body composition and how to change the composition of your body. And I want to talk about the composition of your mind and your soul and your spirit because it's a parallel here, a big parallel. Actually, the most important part of your life has nothing to do with what your body looks like, but it's about what I'm about to talk about. And that is what's going on in your mind. What is your diet in your mind? What's going into your mind? What are you consuming? What are you eating? What are you chewing on? Um, it's really easy to get into ruts and to patterns of, you know, coming home after work and watching TV or spending a lot of time on social media or online, just, you know, mindlessly doing things, looking for entertainment, looking for fun. And there's nothing wrong with that. But if that's all you're doing with your mind, you're not going to find fresh ideas. You're not going to find growth opportunities. You're not going to find nuggets of wisdom to apply. You're not going to wake up parts of you that are dormant. You're not going to get rid of bad ideas and bad thoughts that are hurting you. You know, it's like burning fat off your body. It doesn't magically go away. You have to put some effort in there. You have to replace the fat with muscle. You need to replace that negative thinking or those faulty ideas or those belief systems. You have to replace them with truth with wisdom. So what do you, what's going on in your mind? What's going in? You need to be consuming information, growth information. I highly suggest reading. If it's not a paper book, um, a Kindle book. Um, sometimes based on time, we can't do that. Here's the thing. I was doing 75 hard in the, the Live Hard program for a long time. And one of the requirements of those programs is to read 10 pages of personal development reading every day. And the rule on that was it had to be a real book. It couldn't be an audible book. So I had a lot of paper books and then Kindle books and it was a great practice and I learned a lot and I got through a lot of books. Um, but I find that right now I don't have time to sit and read like that. I could read 10 pages, but I want more. I want to consume more. And when I came down here and I've met really amazing people who are constantly in a growth pattern, they've recommended books to me, book after book after book, and I don't have time to read them all. But that is when an audible book has been the mode that has gotten information into my brain. And I went through a week where I had just met my friend Oscar and everything that we were talking about, he had a book recommendation that lined up with my question or my feeling or my topic. And I 
listen to them all. I listened to five books in about a week. And every single one of them fed me in a way that I really needed at that time. And I could never have sat down and read five books. But downloading them on Audible, I even play them at a 1.2 speed, so they're a little bit faster. But that way, as I was driving, I could be listening. Or while I was doing my dishes, I could be listening. When I was on a walk, I could listen. When I was in the gym lifting, I could listen. And so some of these books are only four or five hours long to listen to. So I was listening to a whole book in a day. And it was just a week of absolute, just, it was like a feeding frenzy. It was like going to a resort spa for my body, except for my mind. And I just learned and grew in so many ways in my life that I never would have. And what's funny is you kind of make this little groove in your mind. There was one book that I was listening to called Happy Money, which I really recommend. It's by Ken Honda, and he talks about money and your relationship to money, your history with money. You know, if you have bad feelings about money or money stresses you out, a lot of times it's because of how money was handled in your home, in your household. It's often influenced by how your parents talk about and behave with money. And we don't have to follow those patterns. Money can be a happy thing. Uh, money is, is a life force. We can use it for good. Um, we can also use it for evil. We can hoard it. It can make us anxious or it can give us great joy. And I have always said, I hate money. I don't want to talk about it. I hate having conversations about money. I hate asking for money. I'd rather never talk about money. But I needed that book because I'm in a position right now where I'm running boot camps for donations. And I need to, every single class, let people know that I'm showing up and I'm offering a class from my heart, but I'm doing this for donations and that it's okay to ask those who come to donate money to compensate what I have done. It's okay to ask because I value my time and I know that I'm offering value. I know I'm bringing my soul. I know it's worth something. And I also know that I'm going to use that money for good. I'm going to give back to this community. I'm going to continue to invest in these people. So I can trust myself and I can trust them and I can ask for it. I needed to hear that because I was feeling awkward and embarrassed and shy to ask for donations. I didn't know how to handle it and I hated that part of the experience. And now I'm happy to say these classes are for donation and I appreciate them. And then I move on and I don't feel bad and people are generous and they donate and I am generous and I am giving back to this community and I'm investing back into these people and it's beautiful. And if I hadn't taken the time to download that Audible and listen to it, I wouldn't have learned those things and come to that amazing realization that has changed my relationship with money and with the donation part of this business. And so it's interesting, I was listening to a portion of that book while I was lifting in the gym. And so now every time I go to the dumbbells, I remember this one part of the book and what his voice sounded like. So it made a little groove. So that's just one example of a way that you can incorporate that into your life. If you don't have time to read, I totally understand. I don't have time to read right now either. But if you can download an Audible book, um, take a listen. Also podcasts, it's not just books, but there are amazing podcasts out there by incredible individuals who have podcasts that can teach you on just about anything, entrepreneurship, marketing, productivity. You can learn another language. You can listen to a biography about somebody who's done incredible things and learn from their story. Put something in your mind. That's really the whole point of what I'm saying here. It's your diet 
of what you're thinking on, what you're chewing on. And it doesn't always have to be growth material. Fiction is fine. It's, it's good to use your imagination. It's good to read some fiction and let your mind wander. That's healthy to take some of the stress off. But honestly, the fiction um, portion of what you're putting in your brain should be a small portion, um, in my opinion. Just like potato chips and Snicker bars and dessert should be a small portion of your diet, so should frivolity and fantasy and things like that. That's just my opinion. But um, find a time when you can read or you can listen and just do it consistently and make it as easy on yourself as you can. Um, One note I'll make about paper books, like I also love paper books. A lot of people get really sensitive about marking up their book. They don't want a dog ear a page. They would never use a highlighter. And I would say, if you have a book, it is yours. Get a highlighter. Use the highlighter as your bookmark. And when you're reading, mark it up. Not that you're going to go back and read your highlighted portions necessarily. Not like anyone's ever going to see it. But when you highlight a sentence, you're going to read it again. It's going to pop in color. And it's going to sink in a little bit more. It's like chewing your food slowly. It's like savoring the flavor. So it's not so much to go back and read it as it is to make it colorful in your mind, to go over it again. So if you own a book, make it yours. Mark it up, highlight it. It's yours. How often are you going to go back and be like, oh my God, I'm so appalled that this is all highlighted? No, own it. Mark the pages. But I often use a pen or a highlighter as my bookmark. So then I can just have it right there. It helps me to absorb Another way that you can really chew on a book, um, an audible book or a paper book or Kindle book, is as you find pieces that really speak to you, highlight them or screenshot them or take a picture and send it to someone. Just send it to a friend. Like, wow, here's a nugget I just pulled out of this book. You never know who in your life needs that. Maybe they'll download that book and then it will change their life. So that's another way that will make it more your own. And also be a way for you to be a leader amongst your friends. Show them a piece of information that is valuable to you that maybe will be valuable to them. This doesn't take long. This is, you know, a few minutes out of your life, a few minutes out of your day to really improve on the quality of what's going into your mind. So I just can't encourage you more. If you need book recommendations, I've got a billion of them. In February, I had a challenge on my Instagram to read or listen to The Four Agreements and um, Mastery of Love by um, Don Luis Ruiz. I can never know how to say his name, but it's on my Instagram. It's on the podcast page from that week. Um, Those are two books are great to start with. They're quick reads. There's so much to chew on in those books. Um, So those are really good. Happy Money Again by Ken Honda. Um, your brain on love. Oh my gosh, such a good one. Um, I'm going to do a post soon about all of my favorite books this year that have really been life-changing. So your diet for your mind, make sure that you're eating and chewing on really good things. Another thing that you need to do to change your mind composition is to exercise. Exercise your thoughts. Your brain is constantly making assessments and judgments and you have a constant dialogue within yourself, about yourself, to yourself. And it's important that you harness that and listen to and pay attention to what's being said. And then with intention, shift your thoughts to speak goodness to yourself. I say over and over, your inner child never grew up. So one way that you can exercise your thoughts is to picture you 
at seven years old. Think about what you look like. I imagine myself just standing and I'm looking down at a short little seven-year-old Kristen. She had long blonde pigtails and she wore calico dresses that her mom made. (laughs) And I just picture her looking up at me with these big blue eyes, just hoping to hear something good, hoping to hear that she's a good girl. And so I think of what I did today and I think about what I did this week and I look into her eyes and I see that she's just waiting to hear something good. And so I try to speak to her exactly as I would if she was really a real seven-year-old in front of me because she is, that's me. She's still in me. She never grew up. No one can see her. No one can hear her except me. So no one knows what she needs to hear except me. I know how to speak to her. She's me. Who else is going to speak to her? No one else is going to speak to her. No one else understands she exists. So it's my job. And it isn't anybody else's job to speak to her. It is never anyone else's job to make you feel good about yourself. It is yours. So you have to fall in love with that little child. So I love her. Why wouldn't I? She's beautiful. She's innocent and she's perfect and she's right there. And so I talk to her and I talk to her like I would a little child. I say things like, hi, you are amazing. You don't even know how amazing you are. You are so little and sweet and cute and you're so brave. And you went out there and you did things today that you weren't sure of. You didn't know how it was going to go and you did it anyway. I'm so proud of you. You worked so hard and I know you get so tired. I know you're tired right now, but you know what? You get to lay your head down on your pillow later and feel so good about what you did because you showed up because you're strong and you want to be so good and you are and you were good before you ever walked out the door and yet you walked out the door and you brought good things. I'm so proud of you. I'm so glad that you're the little girl inside of me because you're mine. So that's, that's a little sample of what I said to myself today. And it sounds silly maybe. It maybe sounds like something you would never say. Well, then don't say that. You have your own voice to your own inner child. Maybe it's different. Maybe it's, you are so cool. You are so cool. You didn't know you were cool then, but I know now how cool you are. I mean, I don't know. It's you. I'm just saying, no one else is going to talk to you like that. And if you can learn to love on that little child inside of you, you will always be more kind and gentle to yourself. So when you have a big deadline that's looming and you're super tired and you're stressed and you're just overwhelmed, you can look inside and say, hi, oh my gosh, we got to do this. This is going to be really hard, but we can do this. Let's do this. And you can summon that little inner child to be with you to say, this is going to be hard, but we do hard things. We've done tough stuff before. We got this. Come on, let's do it. (laughs) Nux. I do this all the time and it's the thing that gets me over the hump. People ask me all the time, where do you get your energy? Where do you get your drive? Where do you get your discipline? It's practice. It's exercise. I engage with myself. I have that conversation. I pull myself up by my bootstraps. I do it. Not because I'm amazing and I'm perfect and I'm better than you, but because it's taken practice and I have recognized the power 
that I have within myself when I do that. So I offer to you that suggestion to try it. And you can start small. It doesn't have to be a long conversation. You can just stop and say, hi, hi, you're cute. I remember you. You're so cute and sweet and I love you. And I'm really glad that you never grew up. Let's go get ice cream. (laughs) Whatever it is. I just, I'm beating a dead horse now, but you can be your own best fan and cheerleader and coach because others can cheer you on and it feels really, really good, but nobody can cheer you on like you can. You're, you're capable of so much powerful energy, energy, you can generate it for yourself. And it's not vain. It's not arrogant. It's just love. It's pure love. You don't judge yourself when you love yourself. You're just loving yourself. So it feels so good and it feels so much better to look down in your inner child and say, we got this, than to lean over and say, oh, I'm so tired. I hate this. No. You look at your little inner child and you say, we always push when we get tired. This is so hard, but we are so going to rally. So that's how you exercise your thoughts. It's just like that. It's just like your body. It takes practice. And you got to show up and you got to be consistent. If you go to the gym once and not again for a month, it's not going to do you any good. If you have one moment in, on a Monday to speak nicely to yourself and you don't do it again for another month, it doesn't do you any good. A little bit every day. Just start. That's all I have for you today in this episode. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for sharing this podcast and these episodes that you love. Thank you for sharing them directly with your friends, with your social media. It means the world to me when I see online that you've shared this podcast. The best way for you to share it, honestly, is to send a link directly to somebody that you think would get something out of this podcast. Because saying, hey, I have a podcast for you is great. But sending a link where they just have to click is much more powerful and makes it easier on them. So send them a link. You can do that through iTunes, through Spotify, through Anchor. It's really easy. Also, if you could let me know, I would just love to hear from you. I'd love to hear what you learned or what you felt when you were listening to this episode or any of my episodes. You can find me on Instagram. I'm destination underscore begin. Send me a message there or leave a comment. You can also leave a review on iTunes. Leave a five-star review would be so great. Um, And you can also email me, Kristen, at destinationbegin.com.